And there you are. There huh? I am. Wow. Welcome, everybody, today. It's so wonderful to have you here. And thank you, Tobias, and thank you, Johnny. You know, Johnny was telling us about those aluminum oxide panels and how, you know, if you had a fire, they can really withstand high temperatures. So if you had those on your roof and your house burnt down, the roof would still be right up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be really it's good, really wouldn't it? really neat things. Yeah. Well, today... Uh, we get to talk about something really neat. And in fact, uh, I'd like to jump right into it. Okay. Is that it? This is the thing that makes Peugeot Monet go. Uh -huh. <laughs> Fires me up. Batteries. <laughs> Batteries. Right? On her planet. Yes. If she is from a different planet. Uh, tell us more. <laughs> it, it's my hypothesis that they don't eat food, they just change their batteries. <laughs> Gotta keep guessing. <laughs> I just wonder if there's a little compartment door. <laughs> yeah, batteries are really amazing things. We kind of take them for granted. But, you know, that's not right. At Science Live, we like to dig in and figure out things work so that we can invent ways to do them better. So, today, we're going to learn how to make batteries. Yeah. Okay, and it's actually okay. pretty easy. I have a glass of, okay, it is a science glass, meaning a beaker. beaker. Okay, I have a beaker full of water that I stirred some salt in. If any of you want to try this, what you do is you put water in the beaker or glass, put in a teaspoon of salt, and stir it. Table salt? What kind of it salt? It could be table salt, or it could be dinner salt, or it could be, you know, salt salt, Morton salt, okay. kosher salt. I don't care. Salt. Okay? <laughs> okay. Salt is sodium chloride. You put it in, and mm, tastes salty. Okay? Okay. So we start out with salt water. I think we've got that part mastered. Next thing we do is we take a piece of copper. This is a piece of copper sheet. We have copper wires, they work. Sometimes you're gonna use wire, you wanna coil them up. You gotta take the insulation off, of course. Mm -hmm. So you put the copper into the salt. Just like that. And nothing happened. Hmm. I'm gonna turn on the voltmeter here to confirm that in fact, Nothing's happening. We're not getting much here, are we? Hmm. Interesting. So we've got salt with copper. But now to make a battery, you have to know the next piece. And that is you have to have another kind of metal to put into the salt. In this case, I'm using a piece of a metal called magnesium. You could use many, many other kinds of metal, like zinc and like, like all sorts of kinds, mm -hmm. because it turns out that chemically, this metal, magnesium, has different elect electrical properties than copper. And 
Let's back up a minute because I just got confused. Could you explain what I was just trying to say? <laughs> the metals have different properties. <laughs> oh yeah, that was it. That was it. Spot on. Good. Spot on. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Every metal, pure metal, uh -huh. conducts electrons. So metals are called conductors. And remember, we learned that if you take a piece of metal, like a metal wire, a metal rod, and a magnet, and push the positive end down, you can push electrons down the wire. That's how a generator works, basically. So you push electrons down. And if you push electrons here, they move a little ways, which pushes the next electrons down, down and down and down. So it goes all the way down the wire. A little push here, and you get it clear down on the other end. Okay? Electrons that are used to conduct electricity in a, in a circuit like that are electrons that are in the outer orbitals of an atom. Remember, hydrogen has a perfect orbital of one electron. So it's not the inner orbit, it's not the outer orbit, it's the only orbit. <laughs> but every other atom has more than one. Helium has two. And you go on up the chart, and, and there's some atoms that have hundreds of electrons. And so some are inside and, and they form in layers around the nucleus, but it's the outer ones that can move and migrate. And the way a particular element hangs on to its electrons is a function of that particular element. In this case, copper is an element and it holds its electrons a certain way. Magnesium, other metals, are another example of a material, of an element, that holds its electrons a little differently. Now I put salt water in here because pure water doesn't collect, uh, doesn't conduct electrons. If you try to run electricity through pure water, real, real pure water, it has millions of ohms of resistance and, and the current won't go through. When you put salt in, the salt is a crystal structure of sodium and chloride and chlorine and in the water, it dissolves and ionizes. And the sodium ions float around as positive ions. And why are they positive? Because the chlorine atoms kept the sodium's electron. And so the chlorine particles are floating around as minus because they got an extra minus electron. And the <laughs> sodium is positive because it's missing an electron, it has more protons in the middle of the nucleus. So they're floating around. And once you have those ions, those charged particles floating around in the water, you can run current through it, it becomes conductive. So I put the salt in to make it conductive. Does that make sense? So now it turns out, we're gonna look at the electromagnetic potential, the electronegativity of these different metals. So I'm gonna go ahead and put the second metal which is the magnesium, into the water. And I'd like you to watch the voltmeter as I do so. See if you can tell if there's a difference. Oh, we're seeing some difference here, aren't we? Look at that. And we have a loose wire somewhere here, which we're going to see if we can take care of, because loose wires kind of ruin our experiment, don't they? Start this thing out all nice they and fresh. People too and have loose Electrons are really... Awful, aren't they? Mm. Electrons are awful. Look at that. It's not working. No. And what does a good scientist do when it doesn't work? <laughs> he tastes the water. 
This is live science. <laughs> it doesn't work. Okay. It's not salty. Peugeot or R51 hid my salt water. Salt. <laughs> so we got a big zero here. Let's try switching it over into the water that has the salt in it. So it is working. We don't know yet. Let's find out. And it's still acting really kind of crazy, isn't it? What is going on here? We have a loose wire somewhere. How could this be, you're asking? And I'm sitting here saying, how could this be? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear a comment from the peanut gallery? <laughs> I couldn't yeah. hear what you said. <laughs> okay, so this is how science happens, huh? Okay. I'm going to... Need cut. some better need salt water. <laughs> yeah, cut. All right, take two. Okay. I need to have one, Dr. Sanchez. There she is. camera on her. What's that? It won't be AC. It's on AC. Oh, thank you. Good job. I appreciate that. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. Someone said that I don't know how to run the voltmeter. And actually, <clears throat> I just They're cost him his job. <laughs> But the good news is my glasses are underneath the voltmeter because when it wasn't tilted, you guys couldn't see it. And so lo and behold. So you're doing it for us. <laughs> so should we try going back to the original salt water? Uh -huh. Let's see what we have. If we actually, yeah, it was kind of floating sooner. around. Oh, he was having fun back there. <laughs> I can tell. Let's see if it makes any difference okay. when we have it being real I'm having a hard time getting the two not to touch. If they short out inside the solution, this magnesium is really flimsy. Okay, there we go. Okay. That one. Now, this one tasted more like salt water to me, which means this is why you always label your things. Mm -hmm. Okay. We need some salt or some acid. Okay. You, know, you need to have something good that's conductor. Okay. So I think we're back on the right setting, Maria. I don't know. We need some salt. Can you get us some? Uh, it turns out that we have been provided inadequate salt, which is interesting because we now know about Murphy. Yeah. Murphy's law says that if anything can go wrong, it will, and it will go on specifically when you're on live science. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so while <laughs> that didn't work, so, we're going to talk about batteries. Okay. Isn't it interesting that you buy a nice, fresh battery, and it doesn't do this kind of nonsense, does it? It works. Batteries are really, oh, really shit. amazing. And here comes the salt. Okay, let's get some salt out here. we got a little thing to stir it up to. Okay. Uh, we're going to stir it with a pen. Yeah. Okay. And, and I... <laughs> I do want to point out that this is kosher salt. It's a visible ink pen too, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know what it's going to do. It's going to make it visible or invisible. Now let's see how it tastes. Oh, that's salt water. Can okay, see it. that's real salt water. Okay. So now you know how to make the salt water. It you have to get there. a purple pen. <laughs> put it in. 
And we, Josh has got the voltmeter set right this time. You know, he graduated in electrical engineering here, so that's why he's so smart. Do you want to hear the comments from California? Yeah. I get it. Me and my family are watching, and we understand every word. Roger Billings is good at explaining things. Hooray for Science Live. There's always laughs at my place, Roger Billings. So what's happening? About some acid. Okay. Our salt is just crapping out on us. Josh. Can we say that? What is your thing now? We, we can't say crapping out? <laughs> I was really hoping we could. So all these experiments are always checked before we start, just to be sure. Okay, now well, we're talking. Has a chemistry lab back there. Now we're talking. So guess what we've got? What? This is salt. Should work. It actually is. This is drinking water. Hydrogen drinking water. This is hydrogen drinking water, so we're going to pour out whatever that is. That is the <laughs> unknown chemical. And now, this is the way research works. And you keep looking at your watch, is the science fair starting yet? I'm trying to get done in time. So this is one molar sulfuric acid. Hmm. And so I'm going to pour that in here. This is the same acid, the very same acid, that is in a battery in all of your cars. When you start your car, you're getting energy out of lead corroding in sulfuric acid. And the corrosion of the lead is what's creating the push for the electrons, which starts your motor. As soon as your car is running, then the alternator puts electricity back into the battery, and it starts plating the lead back on the electrode so you can use it next time. But the question is, if we put, let's put that out of the way, if we put sulfuric acid here, will our homemade battery work better? Now, they do work with salt, but they're a little bit flaky, as maybe you noticed. Now, I'm going to warn you, when we put magnesium in sulfuric acid, this is dilute acid, which means it's one molar, then lo and behold, this magnesium is going to start to react with the acid and give off hydrogen. It's going to make hydrogen bubbles, and I hope you'll be able to see those. But it should also make electricity so it can power our meter. Should we try it? You see the bubbles? Yeah. And look, we have some electricity. Hooray, we have electricity. Negative. And we like electricity, don't we? Yeah. And here's the other problem. The probe came off of the voltmeter, which is why we're having all these difficult. Look at that. Now we have 1.9 <laughs> volts. Bravo. <laughs> and just to make a point, let's try it in the salt. With the voltmeter connected. And look at that. We still have voltage in salt. We're vindicated. So this is... <laughs> We're so, vindicated. This is Science Live. That proves it. <laughs> so we have a student wondering how you got into science and how you didn't 
you didn't give up. And I guess we're this. Well, this what I'm thinking about today <laughs> is how I'm going to get out of science. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Tamir. Well, you know, I don't like to give up because that's like losing, right? Oh, it is. So you think of these batteries. Yeah. I'm going to open this battery cage, and I don't know if we can get that aerial camera on there it's or not. So I'll just hold it up. Can you get a, a tight shot of that, one of you guys? Look at all of these batteries. We have all different kinds of batteries. This one is a single cell. It's called a D cell. It's like you put in a big flashlight, and it produces one and a half volts of electricity. That's about what we're getting out of our cell here, about one and a half volts. Mm -hmm. This little teeny AAA battery is one cell, it's smaller, and it puts out one and a half volts, exactly the same. The difference is this can put out a lot more current. It can run a lot more power at one and a half volts. So this would work for a very small pin light. This would work for a bigger flashlight. And we have all these batteries with different properties. So? A cell is normally about a volt and a half. Most of the, the cells that we use in these batteries, and the cells have an electrode that goes down the middle from the top, and then it has another chemical around the outside, and literally those chemicals are corroding, giving us the electrons to run our toys, our appliances, our science experiments, our phones, etc. Okay? But then you get into something really unusual, and I think maybe I'll pick one of these nice pretty orange ones. This is a, a battery that is 9 volts except cells don't put out nine volts. They only put out around one and a half volt or even less. So how do you get this one to be nine volts? And if you cut this open and look inside, there's actually multiple batteries stacked up here. Every two cells give you three volts, so you need six cells stacked on top of there to give you nine. So that's how you get a 9-volt battery. It's a bunch of batteries in one. And we do that in a lot of, of our higher-voltage batteries. So batteries are amazing. But then there's my favorite battery. Your favorite My battery. favorite battery of all the batteries in the world, and it happens to be the hydrogen battery. Can you see the little wheel churning away there? Uh -huh. This has been going all the time we were trying to hook the voltmeter back up. <laughs> it was going, 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 going. And this is a little electric motor that is running from a battery. And a battery, in this case, is this homemade battery right here, which we call a hydrogen fuel cell. In this battery, the power comes from this hydrogen tank. And with that much hydrogen, we can run this for a long time. And this is exactly how hydrogen cars today work. We used, in my first cars, we burned the hydrogen inside the engine. But since 1991, when we built the first fuel cell car, we used the hydrogen to make electricity, and we used electricity to run a motor, and the car would go three times as far on one tank of gas, which is the big advantage. And how does it work? Inside of this cell, and this is a single cell, we have a membrane that looks like plastic. It's an affion membrane in this cell, which means it's a solid polymer uh, membrane. 
And on one side, we have hydrogen. Hydrogen's coming out of the bottle, coming up through here and going in one side. And on the other side, we have oxygen going in. And so on both sides of the cell, surrounded by gas. Hydrogen on one side, oxygen on the other. The oxygen can't go through the membrane because it's too big. The membrane won't let it go through. Hydrogen, on the other hand, can't go through either. It's too big. But if hydrogen will leave its electron behind, its one and only electron, then a hydrogen proton can go right through the membrane. And it does. And when it gets to the other side, it wants to form water. But it can't because the oxygen's there, all ready to go. The proton of the hydrogen's there, but the electron's not there. You need that electron to make water because it'll be one electron short. So the electron has to travel through the wire, through the motor, do some work, and then it gets to the other side, and voila, we make water. So we're with this hydrogen making my favorite battery, which is the hydrogen fuel cell battery. And I think this is the way we're going to see a lot of the world run in the future. Without the fuel cell, without a hydrogen fuel cell, I think it would have been impossible for us to get men on the moon. This was the way that we powered the computers in the old capsule that went to the moon with our astronauts a long time ago. And the weight of the battery you would have had to take would be too great. Plus, coming out of here is pure water, which the astronauts drink. And they needed the water, they needed the electricity, I just think it really was an enabling technology. And this hydrogen fuel cell is going to change the whole world. Already is. It is. Now it was fun to, look, our, our battery's still cooking here. We, we're still generating power from this thing. And we can actually even make uh, a demonstration, hopefully, where we turn on the battery and we, we make some light. It's really dim and hard to see. But the the idea of a battery means that we got power to go. We got power wherever we need it, and we take it for granted. Our cell phones are, are nothing more than worthless toys without a battery. And the battery in modern cell phones is a lithium-ion battery, the same battery that we're using in our most of our electric cars. And it's... Uh, it's a pretty good battery, but not really very good as an automotive form of storage. A lot of people like the hydrogen solution better, especially because it can recharge in just a few minutes instead of taking a lot of time to recharge. But there's, there's a problem with hydrogen right now in our hydrogen cars. A lot of people are getting them. There are six companies and almost seven that are going to be building that are building hydrogen cars but the the problem is how do you store hydrogen on board the car and that is an area where we need a big breakthrough because we're storing it at very high pressure and hydrogen at high pressure uh, makes me have the jitters 
And so one of the areas that I'm doing research in right now is how to make that hydrogen safer and to be able to go farther in the car, and I think that'll be coming. When you think about an electric car, like the one built by my cousin, you know, Elon, Elon Musk, <laughs> um, we must be cousins. Because he's so brilliant. I, I claim him even though I don't have any science You're behind both like that. Engineers, aren't but you <laughs> know, the thing about his Tesla cars is that they have lithium ion batteries, but if we put a hydrogen fuel cell with a good hydrogen storage system in one of those cars, replacing the battery, the car would go three times as far. And that's kind of exciting, and I think that will come. We need a breakthrough in how we store hydrogen on board a vehicle. And that breakthrough, I think, is getting very, very close. It's something that I am actively working on. And I'll tell you what, what? when that's ready to go, I think I'm going to announce it right on Science Live. Really? That'd be fun. That would be fun. What a great place to announce it. It would be really special. Now, there's a, a story that um, Tobias didn't tell us. You know, he told us about the Boeing 707. Mm -hmm. There's a story he didn't tell us. I want to tell you the story, but before I do, I want you to know hydrogen is the only fuel for airplanes. I mean, we're burning jet fuel right now, which is a form of kerosene. But hydrogen is so much lighter, it's an ideal fuel for aircraft. And I think you'll see that come in a very, very, very few years. But this story is about, and, and I should start right off telling you the truth. Is it real? This is a R51 story. <laughs> so it's somewhat real. And it has not in any way been burdened by facts. <laughs> but it's a possibility. No, not even no? that. Okay. It's an R51 story. You know, okay. R51 can't say battery. I tell him, it's battery. Remember, he's the little Android guy. He's the 51st yeah. copy of the real R. Real <laughs> and he lives in Area 51. Right. And we don't let him out much. For and sure. he's... There's something wrong with him. <laughs> okay, there is definitely there something is. wrong with him. Well, I keep telling him, they're called batteries. And he says, I know, I know. And I said, well, say it. He said, battery. Bad. Battery? No, battery. they're batteries. You know, like baseball bat, they're batteries. Okay, batteries. And <laughs> you know what he told me? He says, someday I'm going to invent a goodery. <laughs> anyway, forget him. But this story kind of came okay. from R51. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Time's we're, up. We're getting beeps. We're all out of time. Turned off. Okay. You need okay. to hear this story. Because this story teaches a principle. Sometimes in science, we discover by observation principles that we can't understand. Sometimes something happens and we really can't explain it. But we study it, we learn how it works, but we don't know why. And so we use it. And a lot of the things we make are in that category. They work, but we don't quite know how or why they work, but we're able to use them. This, this goes into that category because there's a principle here that only R51 fully understands. Okay? So it goes like this. 
back when they were inventing jet planes. This is even before Tobias's 707. Even before that, they're making some of the, the first jet planes. These planes were really fast. The thing about a jet engine is it can give you a lot of thrust with light weight. So they could really make the planes just go shooting through the air. And they were testing the first jet planes and they would dive down and then they'd pull up. And as they'd pull up, if the speed put so much strain on the wings, they would just break off right in flight. And have you ever seen a jet without wings? Well, they don't last very long, okay? And it's kind of hard on the pilots. And so they did it and they said, oh gee, there's something wrong with those wings. We need, we need to make them strengthen. So they went to an engineer from a big engineering school and they said, how can we make these wings stronger? And he says, simple. You just need to use stronger metal in the braces on the wings. And they said, oh, is that the way to do it? Yeah, just bigger metal, make them real beefy so they won't break. So they did. And they built a new airplane with these reinforced wings. They put a pilot in it. He was going fast, he went down fast, and when he pulled up, the wings broke off at exactly the same place that broke them before. And he said, that's strange, that's impossible. That doesn't make any sense. So then they went to another engineer and he said, you know what, the problem is the wings are, are too, too short. You need to make big fat wings so they're strong and so they have the strength to be able to survive all those forces. So they built an airplane with his suggestion and it was streaking along, it did a big dive, and when it pulled up, the wings broke off in exactly the same place. Stronger wings, wider wings, it didn't seem to matter. They always broke right there. And then, according to R51's version of the story, R51 came up and he said, I can tell you how to fix those wings. How? And he says, well, you know right where they're going to break, don't you? Yes, it's always the same place. Well, I'll show you. Get up there on that wing. Now draw a line right where they're going to break. So they drew a line. Okay, now what? He said, now it's simple. Take a drill and drill a hole right through that line where it's going to break. Okay, now what? Now drill another hole. Go down the whole line, drilling holes, drilling, 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 drilling. Drill holes, holes every two inches down the whole wing. And then do the same thing on the other side. And the engineer says, holes are going to make it more weak. It's probably going to break even before he dives. Yeah, well, let's just try it, you know. We don't want to hurt the poor little android's feelings. So they tried it. <laughs> and the jet with the holes going down the wing right there where it always breaks, it was weakened by all of R51's holes. Mm -hmm. They dove down and they pulled up, and the wing didn't break. And no one could believe it. It had to break, it had to break, try it again. So we tried it again, didn't break. Again, didn't break, didn't break. No matter how many times they tried it, the wing did not break. And now all of a sudden, 51, according to his version of the story, was getting to be a real hero. And they said, tell us, Mr. R51, how did you know that drilling holes along the breakage line would make it not break? And he says, well, it's simple. In Android world, everybody knows how to do this. They do? Yeah. We call it 
the toilet paper syndrome. It never tears on the dotted line. R51 is pretty naughty. Now that's not very lively science, but anyway, <laughs> we'll end with that. I just have to give you some breaking news. Okay. We've had the most amazing week this week. We have. Oh, bless you wonderful parents. We have had so many people come forward and explain concerns and problems they're having with a cellus in a respectful yep. and a helpful way. A cellus is going to forever be better because of wonderful parents that are coming forth this week. And I'm so grateful. When you get input in a form that you can actually go do something about it, it's the most wonderful thing. And we found a lot of problems. Some of them are going to take us even months to finish. But there's a couple things that you want to be sure and tell your parents. One of them is this. A Celis Gold is bright, shiny, brand new. <laughs> so shiny new, in fact, that part of it isn't finished yet. This is like being in a car without a driving steering wheel. You can push the gas and go fast, and then you just have to look to see where it's going to go. It's kind of like that. And the part of Acellus that our wonderful programmer team are still working on is the part that gives the feedback to the parents. Some of the parents say, you know, I, I think I got more feedback from the old system. It's because the new upgraded system isn't finished yet. But when it is, parents are going to get feedback in a form they can really use in a way that will just shock and delight them. It's part of the design, and the guys are working hard on it. But two really important pieces of suggestion are going to be jumped on right now, and I want to announce them because some of you, I hope, are going to help us with them. One of the suggestions that I got from several parents and by the way, those of you that are calling our support team, thank you. The su support team says it's been a joy working in support this week. And that's the way it ought to be in a public school, isn't it? But uh, I also want to thank the parents that have reached out to me through the rogerbillings.com website. I've got a lot of wonderful, wonderful input. And you know something? We have big wig, big shot parents. I mean... Some of the people that I've met this we week, we really wow, do. if you know who they were, you'd say some really good people are using the cellus in their families. But anyway, many of the comments have suggested that what we need is a newsletter for parents. And the newsletter can tell about new things and how to use them, but it can also tell about things we're planning and get some feedback even before they're fully implemented and deployed so that we can be aware of problems it might cause for you. And so we have some wonderful, talented parents that have volunteered to help us create an Acellus Academy newsletter for parents. And I'd just like to say, if there's anyone else that wants to help on that team, we're now accepting volunteers to sign up and help us. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we're going to try and get going right away. I think it'll be a wonderful thing. Another parent has stepped forward. This parent is uh, one of the really, really bright people in the world. 
And she has uh, been running a company that she, she was the head of that did research for big companies for, uh, I think, 30 years. So she's very, very experienced. And she puts together these, these groups, in our case, it would be groups of parents, so that we can get their feedback on specific things. And, you know, one parent gives you one point of view. We want to have like 12 parents so that we can then get a much bigger picture of how things will work. So we're forming a group right now. If there are parents that would like to participate, the way this would work is you would get on a video conference with the 12 parents, and we would present different questions to you and let you discuss among yourselves what you think, and then that would be used to help us make the best decisions on as well as going forward. So I just want to give a shout out to our wonderful parents, and we're, we're finding that there's a lot of wonderful grandparents involved in this too. Bless your hearts. Uh, we think that we're just at the very, very, very beginning of Acellus. If you talk about man going to the moon, and that's where we want to go with Acellus to the moon, to the stars, well then the point we're at right now is where the cavemen were trying to make fire. <laughs> We've got a lot of work to do, and we need a lot of help. And I just think it's wonderful how we're starting to get this spirit where every problem is something we all share. Mm -hmm. And together we're gonna we're gonna fix it. And we're gonna make Acellus the greatest learning system that this planet has ever known. So thank you. We'll see you Wait, next time. Guys, question. study hard. What question? Question? Stop. What about next week? Next in. week, we're going to do a four-hour special. <laughs> Was that it? Well, if you say so. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of together. You see who wants to take a whole week off and shirk? <laughs> that's, so a real, that's a real turkey idea to suggest. <laughs> I didn't say that. Okay, Dr. Peje Monet won't be here next week. No. So it'll just be 51. <laughs> and by the way, that is true. 51 has volunteered to do the world's shortest edition of Science Live <laughs> oh, next week. That. But that's all for, for And have a wonderful Thanksgiving celebration. And we'll see you in two weeks. Did I get it right? Yeah. <laughs> I got a few problems I'm working on with my staff. <clears throat> we'll see you next time. Bye.